whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, uh, season two, episode 27. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Tonight, we've got Alex, we've got Riley, uh, no, Lara or Laura, a couple of troops down, but uh, yeah, we're still pumped to talk all things NFL. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a crazy time of year, but before we jump into that, uh, let's talk warm up. And the one. And a two, and a one, two, three. Bishop wore buttless chaps to the bat mitzvah. Have a great broadcast. You too, darling. All right, team. As we've mentioned before, we try to bring out you know pre-recording conversations. You know, we have a bit of a chat before we go live, and we thought, you know, let's bring it to the air. Let's let's uh, you know share our thoughts, and um, you know also find out a little bit more about um, one another. So our listeners, um, yeah, they've been <laughs> to me it's a pretty good uh, feedback on the warm up so far this year. But this question, uh, it, it's about ranting. Let, let's go. Something that's annoyed you from the past uh, week or so, um, Riley. Going to start with you. Yeah, something that just happened actually today. Uh, my housemate and I went to go donate blood. Um, I've done it quite a bit. This was her, she would have been a first time donor tonight and she was turned away. Just a few little medical, um, like prerequisites you've got to make. And it's just like, she was super excited to, to go and do it. And it was turned away. And it's just like, it's such a catch 22 because they're calling for so many donors and then there's so much strict criteria that you've got to do. It's kind of, like hard and, and I understand it's such a big like on medical side to it but surely there's some make, yeah. leeway or something something that can be done to make more like donors exactly and I don't know whether it's just they're upping their social media game but it's like you know being branded as a bit of a crisis at the moment so if there's a crisis yeah. maybe we kind of soften the rules a little bit but no it's like you know if you have you know tattoo and all this sort of stuff but um yeah no that's a good one look for me um look if we didn't hit this topic hard enough last week um hey go back and listen to last week's episode it was an absolute cracker the team were on fire um we had a bit of a a, a go at the deshaun watson situation let's have another little crack at him here i mean it's worse than what we could have possibly imagined each and every day each and every week more details emerge this was a massive you know, from, from what it's looking like, it's been a massive conspiracy, a bit of a cover-up, and I think there's a lot more people knew a lot more than, um, you know, what we first sort of knew about it. So, look, this is – it's getting messier by the day, um, you know, and you just wonder where this whole situation's headed. I mean, I think, you know, last week I was sort of saying, you know, a, a year's suspension's probably appropriate. I, I, I think we I think we need to indefinitely susp- – I mean, I think – we just, I don't care how long it takes. We need to get to the bottom of this situation. So for me, something that annoyed me was just more and more information coming up about that one. Uh, an indefinite suspension, I think, is the way to go there. Alex, um, what about yourself, my friend? You are probably one of the busiest individuals um, I think I've ever met. So lots lots of things are always happening in the life of Alex Barker. So uh, something that's uh, annoyed you in the past week or so. Yeah, well, I can't say it's coaching because my girls won this weekend, so I can't get annoyed with that. But something that frustrated me this weekend, I'm a big White Sox fan, love my baseball, and White Sox playing Dodgers, and we intentionally walk 
Trey Turner with a runner on second, and he had two strikes and one ball. And I'm watching, and we ended up losing that game, eleven to like six or something like that, eleven <laughs> to nine. Sorry, but like, come on, what are you doing walking a guy when you got a runner on second? Like, no wonder they're calling to fire the manager when they lost to the Texans two days ago. Like, come on, White Sox were better than this. We made the playoffs last year, but I think that manager's got to go. Time for the roots to head out. Yeah, Alex, I, I have to say my knowledge of MLB is not great, but I did hear that. You know, there was a franchise that's lost like 14 in a row. They've started to introduce like music in the stadiums to try and change the vibe. The Angels, there we go. So That is not the White Sox. Don't you dare say that about them. Yeah, there we go. But uh, look, you know, other codes, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a rugby league, Newcastle Knights supporter. We are absolutely atrocious at the moment. So to, our, to the Angels supporters that tune in and listen to the NFL podcast, um, we, we feel things will turn around. Possibly, hopefully. All right, team, there we go. Well, uh, no time to waste. Let's dive into all things NFL in our first segment, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. All right, team, a fun one this week. Uh, our team in fo- focus is the Baltimore Ravens. You know, a bit of a disappointing year last year, finishing 8-9. and nine. Uh, Alex, uh, owner Steve uh, Biscotti, you know, he's obviously, what's he worth, $5.7 billion, I think I've got in my notes here. Look, he's uh, he's got a pretty big check to write over the next little while. Talk, fill us in on this whole quarterback contract situation with Lamar Jackson because, um, yeah, Steve might have to uh, get the checkbook out very, very soon. I mean, why wouldn't you when you've been building your team around this guy? I think they won't do themselves any favors if they don't pay him. I think to keep him and to keep kind of like the franchise moving forward in the direction they wanted to, I think they have to pay him the money. Like, unfortunately, that's just the way it goes, right? When you've got a quarterback there that clearly is your franchise quarterback, you've built the team around him, you're building an offense around him. Why, why wouldn't you pay him? So, yeah, he is going to have to get a checkbook out, but I think it's negotiations is going to be interesting, I think. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes, but I think they've got to pay him the money to be able to keep him. Riley, it's a bit of an interesting one. I mean, I, I saw Jerry Jones play, um, you know, this game with Dak Prescott and it absolutely blew up in his face. I mean, we were all sitting there at time being like, pay Dak, you're not going to find a quarterback you know, that's, you know, is he the best quarterback in the game? No, he's not. You're not going to find anyone better. And, and then his decision to drag out those contract extensions, basically, you know, it nearly doubled his contract. So, you know, for me, Lamar Jackson starts the season on fire, does his little running around, throws, throws the ball around, shows everyone how much of a star he is. I mean, as each day goes by, Lamar's value is going up. And, you know, we'll get into the uh, the team at the moment, but I don't see a ton of stars they're at Baltimore. Like, I don't really know who else you're kind of paying. And, you know, if you kind of front load a few of these contracts, this could be a really good situation for Baltimore. So, again, what's your thoughts? Do you think it's just a matter of time before this one's done? Yeah, I think they'll they'll move pretty quickly. Um, they signed his fifth-year option pretty quickly, knowing that they were going to hit a pretty big cap. Um, I think they'll give him – it won't be Mahomes-like money, but it'll be – like, I think they'll go longevity. They'll, you know, bank on him remaining healthy, give him a solid, you know, five-year extension, um, a truckload of guaranteed money. Um, 
maybe with incentives, considering he is such a runner and obviously they have to protect themselves. Um, if you're going to put that much money into one player, then you want obviously to have some backup. I mean, Tyler Huntley is good, but as much as I hate Lamar, he's no Lamar. Um, but he's got no receivers. And at the end of the day, like, you're going to have to pay somebody else to come in. So I think if Lamar's smart, he will realise that he's not, like, top-tier calibre. Like, he's owed a lot, but he's not Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. He's not up there and he needs to to know that there's got to be that little bit of money left over to to get in some weapons. Otherwise, they're just going to do what they always do, which is go up and then choke before they get the, the chair. Now, Alex, this is where it gets interesting, right? Because Lamar Jackson has decided, you know, I don't want to pay a couple of million dollars for a, for a player agent. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to negotiate this contract myself. Now that's all well and good. If you're Patrick Mahomes and you're Tom Brady, and you're basically sitting at the other end of the table with them telling you how great you are. And, and, but you know, this is going to be such an awkward situation because you know, for the Baltimore Ravens, exactly what Riley said, they're going to have to sit him down and say, look, you know, you're not the best thrower of the football. This is kind of what we think. <laughs> I mean, it's such an awkward situation because, yeah, I-, I wonder whether Lamar's really thought that through, that he's going to be sitting in that boardroom getting told all the things that he can't do. And I, I don't know. I-, I just feel like that's pretty awkward. Yeah, I mean, that's why you have agents and that type so people can actually, you know, tell you the stuff that you don't need to hear. Um, but look, he wants to do himself. He wants to do himself. Hopefully he's smart enough, you know, as we mentioned, to to be able to sit there and go, okay, look, this is what I would like to be paid. This is what I think I deserve to be paid. But I also understand that you, are, you need to get players for me to throw the football to. Um, so I think if he's a smart player and if Baltimore is really where he wants to be, then I think that's his best bet, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did that. If he's just in it to kind of get as much money as he can, and you know he's happy to go somewhere else that'll pay him and whatnot, and you know if if he doesn't really see the receiving core as a problem per se, um, then I could see him sitting down and going, "Hey, I want as much money as you're <laughs> you're willing to give me." You know, screw everybody else. But hopefully, he's smart enough to sit there at that table and go, "Look, I understand that." due to injury or due to, you know, my lack of being able to kind of throw the ball sometimes that we need to get players around me. So hopefully he's smart enough to be able to do that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And look, the other thing is the Deshaun Watson contract has destroyed the market. So, you know, what quarterbacks have kind of secretly done, and I don't know whether they all get together in the offseason. It's like a bit of an underground club. They kind of meet with, you know, big hooded jackets on. They kind of sneak into a club and they have a little secret meeting. But there's a little bit of a quarterback code where, when you come up for your quarterback, you don't take anything less than the next quarterback. And if they continue to do that, the market just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's kind of like the Kirk Cousins effect where it, you, you, it's not that you are the best player. It's just that your contract is up. So if your contract is up, you want the most. So, you know, with that sort of old school um, sort of thought process, that Sean Watson contract's crazy. Um, anyway, it's going to be really interesting to see what Lamar goes for when it comes to there. Alex, a few weeks ago, I think we kind of reflected on, you know, which teams had the best draft. Um, and from memory, I think you went Baltimore uh, and then I pick someone else, and then I realized that you're better at this than I am, and I quickly backflipped and said to Ravens as well. Alex, the reason for that is it was unbelievable. I mean, you know, anyway, I'll let you talk about some of the players that they did draft, but there's arguments that their two picks could have been 
the two best players in the draft. I, I don't think I've ever seen it before. Now, they're not the flashy positions. I get that, and they need some help with wide, wide receiver. But talk to me a little bit about Baltimore's draft because it was it was unbelievable. Yeah, they did well. I mean, they did very well. I mean, clearly they had a clear picture of what they wanted to do, who they wanted to go after, and I think they excelled in it. You know, in their first round, they picked up Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame as a safety. I mean, he is, as far as I was concerned, the best safety in the draft, um, best safety in college football at that time. So they absolutely lucked out with that guy. Um, I think they did well as far as kind of, who they end up trading with? Trading with uh, Arizona to get a couple picks, which I thought was actually quite smart. So it shows that they kind of like when you kind of look at the draft. Sometimes you get teams and they go, "Okay, well we have to draft somebody." I think Baltimore was very specific in the players that they wanted. They knew who they wanted to go after, so they were happy to kind of release those higher picks, um, which I think just goes to show that they came in with a solid game plan and a smart game plan. They were clearly going after certain players that were going to bolster their defense, um, which is what they did. For, for a lot of their draft picks, which I think was smart because their secondary was not great um, last year. So I think when you look at a team that subtly did very well in the draft and kind of flew under the radar just a little bit without making too much fuss and noise, it was the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and Riley, you know, their next pick was Tyler Linderbaum, who was the center from Iowa. And I get it. Jersey sales are not going to go through the roof. You can't do any sort of sexy social media posts around Tyler. But... You know, in my opinion, again, he was one of the best players in the draft. This is a 15-year player. He's obviously going to be a big part of what they're trying to do there in terms of protecting Lamar Jackson and building a bit of a combination there. Am I just nerding out when it comes to the NFL, or did you love this pick as well? Um, Tyler picked at uh, at 25, so great value there. Yeah, no, it was. I think it was a really good. Um, I think it was a really good pick. I think they had projected him to actually go at their original pick at 14 um, to start with. Um, but now also they get him cheaper. But also I think the thought process was if Lamar can't get the ball off, then there's no point having a receiver down there for him to catch it. Like, you know, it's, it's like that catch 22, you've got to have somebody to catch the ball, but if you can't protect the quarterback long enough for him to throw it, then it doesn't matter if you've got, you know, a, a C-grade receiver down the field or you've got Hopkins or somebody like that. Like, it's not going to matter. So I think they were really smart in picking up um, the bomb. He's smaller than what they're used to, um, and he apparently is the smallest offensive lineman in the draft or something like that. He's only like 6'2". But his agility and his ability is what I think was what drew the Ravens to him, especially with their option plays with Lamar to run the ball or have that triple option sort of, is it him, the fullback or the running back going kind of thing? You know, if you've got a quick center who can pull and come around and absolutely blindside like a nose or a DN, then go for it. Like It's fun to watch in that aspect. So he might be like a, a boring player, like you say, or, you know, not, not big in the jersey sales, but when he pancakes a D-lineman, the crowd will definitely go up. Yeah, he might get a little bit of love on YouTube, that's for sure. But no, we'll get him some orthopedics to slip into those shoes to kind of bump him up a little bit in terms of his height. But uh, <laughs> no, look, I, you know, I agree. Look, you know, if you've got a guy who isn't an elite passer, you've got to try and buy him a little bit more time. So look, investing in that line, I think, is a pretty good way. Um, look, again, Alex, not to nerd out too much, we'll move on from the draft very, very soon. But the third pick I loved as well, round two, pick 45, Um 
a top 15 pick, David uh, Ajabo, but tears his Achilles as part of the, the pro day. Now, each and every year this happens, unfortunately, where there's a top pick, they suffer a really bad in, um, injury, but you can redshirt them, kind of like the college system, where you've got that much talent in a particular area that you can just sort of hide him for a year, redshirt him, and then bring him in for the following season. Look, again, this is kind of like really building for the future, but I think picking up David, that's a that's a pretty smart move there for, for a, uh, what was that, a, a second-round pick. Yeah, sure, if you like Michigan players. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> which, which, you know, I don't, but, <laughs> I mean, I you hate to see him go down with injury. As you said, they can kind of – manage him probably the best sometimes that works in a rookie's favor coming in they actually get to learn the playbook more they get to learn the nfl system because it is different to the college level they get to rehab they get to be around the team i mean we saw that happen to the bears um i think offensive tackle that they drafted last year he ended up injuring himself and having to get surgery so i mean we'll see how that plays out this year for them um but yeah I, I mean it could work in his favor but look again you're trying to get me to talk about a michigan player well, you know how i feel about that. i was about to say like where were you at his pro day like i'm just i'm getting a little bit you know were you in the stands you know could be, <laughs> it was there what was yeah um no look at you that it, wasn't me <laughs> it's a bit of a luxury i mean the patriots don't have that luxury my team we've got to get every bit of help we can but um yeah it just goes to show the ravens have got a fair bit of depth there in the defense all right team let's quickly fly through the depth depth chart um you know in terms of roster in terms of some other things that are catching our eye riley we've touched on it a little bit but let's talk a, a little bit more about it um the wide receiver core here uh, it's it's not it's not pretty and i guess the thing that is worrying ravens fans is we've just had the most historic wide receiver off season in the history of our sport so all of the you know the big names the big contracts we've seen some monster trades you know some teams absolutely buzzing you know probably that's the thing that's kind of deflated um things at the moment for baltimore yeah look they don't have the best um it's not even really a receiver's core it's just a bunch of players to be honest like they got rid of their number one in Hollywood Brown on draft day which was a shock to everyone like especially the Ravens who have been already like scrutinized essentially for not having anybody for him yeah no I I, I agree um Duvernay good but he's not great yeah, no, sorry, sorry to jump in there. I, I, I agree. And, and Alex, like, what, what, what are we doing here? Like, I, I feel like when you let a particular position group, um, you know, sort of when it becomes so limited, and, and you know, when there are so many issues, you, you just think about, are they in a win now mode? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm just a little bit confused with what Baltimore are doing in an offensive league where, especially in the AFC, where you know, let's be honest, you're going to have to score. 30 plus points to be competitive this year. Again, not to not to drive the knife in too deep, but again, you know, thoughts on the receiving core, it's 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 not looking great. Um yeah, look, they don't have wide receiver like, you know, distinct wide receivers per se. I mean, they have their tight ends which they clearly are going to rely heavily on as that dual role, you know, for catchers, you know, and Mark Andrews and and the players that they have around him and that, and that role there. But I think that's going to put too much pressure on him, too much pressure on the backup tight ends. And you can't really run a, a run a system, you know, just, just utilizing your tight ends and your running backs. You've got to get some wide receivers. You know, they haven't really drafted any kind of, or signed, sorry, excuse me, any veteran 
players, which they could do. So I think maybe they're holding out to see who's still left on the table as far as free agency goes before the season starts. But I think they've got to get somebody to help Lamar out. Otherwise, he's going to be running the ball. And and Mark Andrews, like, that's a heavy load to put on him. Yeah, and look, that's a good shout. I, I keep forgetting that there are still high-quality veterans out there, you know, that still haven't been signed. You know, Julio, Odell, um, you, yeah. know, there's, you know, there's a few guys who could come in that could certainly be, um, you know, productive, um, you know, players, that's for sure. All right, Alex, we've given him a bit of a bit of a whack there when it comes to the offense. It's still a little bit patchy. We've got a little bit of drama in and around the contract. But, um, hey, the defensive side of the ball, that's where things are looking a little bit better. They've invested in some younger players over the last couple of years. They should be starting to come into their own. Um, what's your thoughts? You know, there was a few tweeners trying to find their way the last couple of years, but um, they're starting to build something there. Yeah, I mean... You've got a young defense, a young secondary coming in. You know, do you have the protection on the line to help Lamar out? I mean, he's going to run no matter what, whether someone's pressing him, <laughs> pressing him or not, he's going to take off. So, I mean, you know, they always looked like they, they were out of it in some games and they were able to pull off a win. Like, I mean, how many overtime games did they go to last season? I mean, it was ridiculous. Probably more out of, you know, any of the teams in the NFL would be my bet. I mean, someone can go back and check that, but – I think they're going to be nine and eight, eight and nine. I think they're going to sit in that middle pack again. I don't think they're going to do anything fabulous. I don't think they're going to have an absolute poor performance just because I think they've got a good coach in Harbor there. So look, I'm going to go eight, eight and nine, nine and eight. They're able to pull off wins when we don't think they can. So. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And it's a good call out around the, the closeness of their games because it gets to the point where it's like, hey, like I'm not a Ravens fan. So it's exciting for me tuning into their games. You get to see Lamar Jackson run around and, you know, all of these dramatic finishes, but it gets to a point where it's like, okay, come on guys, we need to really step it up in that first and second quarter. You know, the Ravens are really slow starters. They catch fire towards the back end of games, but you know, that's not sustainable. And it's the reason why they haven't been able to do uh, enough damage over the last couple of years. Um, Riley. So Alex is sort of, you know, again, we sort of finish off this reflecting on their record. Can they do better than the eight wins from the previous season? What's your thoughts on the Ravens this year? Um, I think they lucked out with their schedule, um, which I think is going to help them a lot. I'm just having a look, and they've got they've got the Jets, the the Pats, the Bills, all in the first three weeks. Um, they've got the Steelers, who've got a new quarterback, regardless of which one of them gets the start in Trubisky or Pickett. Like, so they've got a a brand new offense essentially being run there too. Um, they've got the Browns and that is just an absolute like, shit show where you have happen. So we don't know what's going to come out of that. So they get, you know, that's four games. So it's almost guaranteed at least three wins, at least three wins, if not all four of them. Um, Jets, they'll probably smoke. They've got the NFC South as well. Um who have, again, the Saints and the Panthers who are rebuilding. So I think that could be two easy wins. Like, I I don't see them going much higher than 10 wins, but I do see them getting probably double digits. Yeah, that, that's kind of my prediction as well. I'm going to go 10 if they give Lamar his contract. So if they give him his contract, I think we're going to see the best out of Lamar Jackson. Um yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, with that, with that sort of, uh, with that sort of light schedule, though, they could, you know, they could do a little bit better. But look, let's say ten if they get the contract. If if not, you know, these contract, um, 
these contract years can get quite messy and mess with a player's head. So, um, yeah, look, if I was Baltimore, definitely got to get that contract sorted to sort of, you know, get those 10 wins. Um, if not, you know, it, it could go the other way. But, um, yeah, there we go. The Baltimore Ravens, um, yeah, going to be really interesting to see whether they can sort of, you know, start to, you know, build something and really compete in what is one of the most, you know, the AFC this year is going to be absolutely unbelievable. So let's see how the Ravens contend with that. All right, team, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! All right, Alex, let's dive into our uh, our match, and we're going to continue on with our off-season moves. And this time we head to the coaches, and we pair up two, uh, two first-time head coaches. Um, Brian Dable for the New York uh, Giants, coming up against Nathaniel Hackett for the Denver Broncos. Um, yeah, look, just spend a bit of time, talk to us about both of these coaches, and then, you know, obviously we'll we'll, we'll pick our winner here in the match. Um you know, two young coaches that find themselves in very, very different situations. So, yeah, um, spend a bit of time, talk to us about these these two coaches and then and then pick a winner. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, Brian Dabble used to be at Buffalo, was the offensive coordinator there. Uh, he's been given a lot of credit to how um, Josh Allen uh, has been performing, you know, from when he came into the league to what he looks like now. Um, when you look at kind of the other players that the Giants had, I mean, look, it's the Giants, right? You're not really going <laughs> to, you know, they're they're grasping at straws when it comes to, to coaches, but I think this is a good hire for them. You know, they looked at Brian Flores. They looked at Leslie Frazier. You know, Dobble was kind of the only one that had an offensive background out of the coaches for the Giants. So I think that might work in their favor. And I'm interested to see, you know, what he's able to do with – Daniel Jones. I think when you look at his development with Josh Allen and you now put him in with a, another young quarterback that does have potential if he has the right coach around him, I think Daniel, I think this is going to be a good, good mix with Daniel Jones and Dobble. And obviously, you know, being back with, with Sean, who's the general manager as well, that's going to, they're going to understand each other there. So I think this is the Giants are moving in the right direction as far as I'm concerned, as far as their head coach. But then you look at Nathaniel Hackett, you know, he, why are we getting me to talk about people for teams I don't like? I will never know. But now i got to talk about Packers and their coaching staff. <laughs> so we'll do that. Uh, but, yeah, offensive coordinator, um, you know, from the Green Bay, and now he's going to be at Denver. I don't know if this was a great pick for Denver, to be honest. I just – maybe because he's a Packers player, but it makes me feel good that the Packers no longer have these coaches. <laughs> <laughs> On the plus side, um, I think he'll be it'll be interesting to see what he does with the Broncos. I think I think if you're looking at who might have a higher success, I don't know because I think they're both equal as far as kind of their experience and what the teams are coming into because Denver can be an absolute nightmare. We know the Giants are an absolute nightmare. So I think it, it kind of comes down to who is going to make their mark the quickest. And I think if you're going to look at it, I just don't think that the Broncos have anybody um, that could do that. Whereas I think the Giants, I think Dabble might be able to work a little bit more with what he's got based on his experience with Josh Allen and the Bills. Yeah, I love that. Um, 
Yeah, look, for me, looking at the Giants situation, it's really interesting. Like I, you know, Daniel Jones is definitely not the future of the Giants. So I wonder, you know, what that looks like in terms of burning that first year for, for, for a young coach. I, you know, I would I would much rather see, um, you know, Brian, he's an unbelievable offensive mind, get an opportunity to work with a really young quarterback and everyone just give him time because the Giants have been awful offensively, absolutely awful. They cannot run the ball. Their receiving call has been terrible. And Daniel Jones, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's bad. It, it's a really, it's a really difficult situation. So yes, they had to get an offensive guy in there to try and repair one of the worst offenses in the, um, in the league. But, you know, I just wonder, I just, yeah, I wonder whether you're burning a year of, of, um, of production with, with a young quarterback, but um yeah, I, it, it, it is really, really difficult. But, you know, one of, one of the biggest tests, I think, with Brian um, and where he'll win my respect is that decision because at the end of this year, I've spoken about it a lot, there's a lot of exciting young quarterbacks coming through. Um, if he continues to stick with, um, you know, the vanilla ice cream, Daniel Jones, I'm going to be very disappointed. So the big test for me as to whether Brian's my guy is whether he moves on from his quarterback because uh, Daniel Jones is not it. Um, Nathaniel Hackett, yeah, I agree. I don't think it was the right hire. I feel like it was a little bit lazy. And I think part of it, um, whether they'll admit this or not, was you know, their attempt to be a big player in the quarterback market. And, uh, you know, Rogers, he was in the mix, you know, get the young OC from Green Bay who we loved. Um, obviously, it's turned out that Russell Wilson has been the guy. But, yeah, look, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not sold on Nathaniel Hackett yet. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how he goes. Um, good to see his connection. You know, Russell's not going to know what to do with himself, obviously coming into a more offensive system. Um, look, I actually think Brian's a better coach. But I think the Broncos are set up to win now. I think the Giants are in for a major rebuild. So, look, I'm going to go hack it at the moment. But, yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from when it comes to Brian Dable. Um, Riley, you get the uh, you get the deciding vote. We've got a bit of a split room here. Um, yeah, thoughts on these two? I think it depends in terms of, like, production. Uh, I think Dable's got the biggest, like, room for improvement. Um, he's got no pressure. Everyone knows that New York is in rebuilding phase. Like he can come in, he can do whatever he wants. I think he's got a free pass this year. Like I said, he can literally make Daniel Jones do whatever he wants and just see what the kid's got. And then if he doesn't like him, then yes, he's got the opportunity to then go right this draft, this is my guy, this is who I want to focus on. Um, whereas at the Broncos, they're kind of they're set up for success now pretty much. They've literally put all their eggs into their Wilson basket and they have said, this is it, we're making a run. You know, they've, they, they wouldn't have traded for Wilson if, if they didn't think that. So I think that, it, yeah, depending on how you're looking at it, I think, um, I think Broncos are going to have a more successful year this year. So I guess in that sense, they'll get the win. But I think in terms of success over the, like maybe career-wise, Dable's going to actually have the better resume at the end of this because I think he will turn the Giants around. God, you're making me second. Yeah, I, I, I just agree with you. I, I, I do. I agree with both of you that Brian's a – Brian's a better coach, but I think Hackett's going to look better for a few years because he's in a 
he's in a he's in a much um, he's in a much better situation. Hey, the other thing to think about too is what if the Broncos are a little bit slow? Like what what if this Russell Wilson situation takes a bit of time? Because you're not going to cut Russell Wilson, you're not going to put any blame on him. So. You know, as much as they really are set up, Hackett's going to have to win because rookie head coach. If that's not looking too good, new owners, um, yeah, he'll be he'll be out the door pretty quickly. I think it'll come down who's actually calling the shots, right? We look at the Buccaneers, we look at Brady, and you go, who was actually calling the mm-hmm. shots as a coach over there? And I think it might be the same thing with Wilson. I just think that it'll take some time for both of them to gel and, and gel with their other coaches and gel with the team. So I think as far as like, you know, as Riley said, looking at career. I'm going to stick with double, but Hackett's got his work cut out for him, but there's just more pressure on him as well. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the OC is going to be pretty important as well, but um, yeah, there we go. It's going to be, anyway, I guess the excitement's building heading up, heading into this season. And um, you know, we, we, you know, as much as we poke fun at New York, we need the New York teams to be stronger than what they, what they have been. It's, it's obviously pretty good for the league and um, yeah, going to be really interesting to see Russell Wilson. I, I still don't like him in the orange. I don't know. I just don't think it's working. <laughs> And the fake voices that, you know, I, I don't know, me, me and Russell Wilson will kind of figure out that relationship moving forward. But there we go, team. Uh, there's the match. Cannot wait for the season to, um, yeah, to arrive very, very soon. All right, team, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Are you okay? Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right, team, nice and easy one for you this week. We'll continue with our little MVP series. Uh, and this week we're looking at the tight ends. So the question's a simple one. Who is the best tight end in the game uh, right now? Uh, Riley? Oh, it's good. I have to go with Travis Kelsey. He's just a freak. Um, and he he makes it look easy. Um, like, he deserves to be on wide receiver money. Like, I remember when Jimmy Graham was whinging a few years back when he was at the Saints and how he was lining up in the receiver position, I think it was like 60 or 70% of the time, um, but he was only getting paid like a quarter of what receivers were and there was all this like arguments and stuff like that. But Travis Kelsey's literally created his own kind of species of tight end. He's just this hybrid big body that will just he goes up and gets the ball. He also breaks tackles. He gets yak. Like he's just fun to watch and he's got the swagger to bring with it. Like he's fun before, after he catches the ball and obviously playing with Mahomes, like they pull out the most random plays ever. The shovel passes, he passes, he runs it. Like it's just you you don't know where he's gonna line up and whether that dictates if he's actually running the ball or not. Like he's just a fun player. Yeah, absolutely. No, he's um yeah, and obviously with Tyreek Hill moving on, uh, you know, it's gonna be really interesting to see what that does for his targets and his production because, you know, Mahomes, it's definitely you know, Kelsey's definitely his um, you know, his his safety blanket. So it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like. He could have a, you know, an even more historic season. Uh, look for me, you know, it, it seems odd to kind of not talk about Gronkowski, you know, when we talk about tight ends, but I think we can all be honest and say that, you know, obviously he's passed his best, but you know, historically, you know, obviously I've got to throw out Gronk, but look in, in terms of the here and now, you know, I, I'd probably say Waller, you know, you know, George Kittle, we can talk a little bit more about him later, but I just feel like, um, yeah, you know, there's, 
there, there's some issues there in, in San Fran. But, uh, no, Waller, look, he's been really um, – yeah, he's he's been incredible. And when you look at him as just an absolute specimen, like I mean, from an athletics perspective, he's just an unbelievable, um, you know, player who's almost unguardable. So you know that leads to double teams, and that leads to other opportunities. And just thinking about what that offense is going to look like this year with Devonte Adams and Hunter Renfro, if they can kind of get this whole thing moving with Derek Carr, I think that's going to be pretty special. Um, and just a quick little shout out to little Kyle Pitts again. You know, everyone had him on had him in a gold jacket when he was drafted. So, um, okay, you know, let's let let's see. You know, obviously there was, there was huge pressure and praise put on him, but he finds himself in a really difficult situation. Um, Marcus Mariota, um, yeah, we, you know, and uh, and Ritter as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on Kyle Pitts. Uh, but, yeah, Waller for me. Alex, you get the final say on this. Tight ends, I know it's a bit of a favorite uh, position of yours. Uh, who's the best in the game right now? Uh, best in the game, just because I think you look at the franchises in, I think because he is that standout, I would say TJ Hawkinson is quite a good tight end. I think he's just, he's a consistent player. He consistently catches the ball. He is like the main man for the Lions because, I mean, they've got to have somebody. I mean, they are the Detroit Lions, so <laughs> I'd have someone who can catch you the ball and potentially get you a touchdown. But I think when you're looking, like when it looks like the Lions are like just out of ideas and they're not going to make it, you know, they just, he just happens to be part of that big play, you know, and hopefully he just stays injury free this year. Cause I think that'll, that's a big thing that's kind of plagued him is injuries. And I think if he can stay injury free and stay healthy, he'll be, he, he, he has so much potential to be a standout, standout, standout tight end. But I think he's just kind of teetering on that. But I think because he's in the system that he is, he, he he's going to get a lot more looks and catches. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, you know, get him into a decent system. And, I mean, imagine what he's like. And all the fantasy heads are nodding along at home as well because uh, if anyone's played fantasy football, TJ Hawkinson, uh, always undervalued. So there you go. There's a little red-hot tip here from uh, Mojo Sports. All right, team, that's all the time we have this week. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. Uh, to our listeners, we really do appreciate your support. Continue to download the podcast, share with family family and friends. Hey, even enemies, just tell everyone about Mojo Sports. We really do appreciate uh, your support. Uh, once again, thank you for choosing Mojo, and until next time, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.